You're listening to In Conversation from the Educational Freedom Institute. Getting people to, hey, so we're live now. Okay, so yeah, let's just uh, wait for some people to hop on. Um, Awesome. Yeah. And Matthew, I don't know if you want to do introductions while yeah. waiting for people to hop on or, or after. Yeah, we can. it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. So um, I'm Matthew Nielsen, and I'll moderate the conversation here. We're going to talk today about the HOPE Scholarship in Florida. It's one of several scholarship programs that the state of Florida has uh, passed through legislation and is currently operating it's currently available to students this one in particular we're going to have ron talk us through and and ron is our guest today ron mattis am i saying that right yeah Matus. Matus. ron awesome. I, I should have asked that before um ron <laughs> matis butchered many times so that's fine <laughs> ron matis is the director of policy and public affairs at step up for students and Corey DeAngelis is the executive director at EFI. He's the director of school choice at Reason Foundation and an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Um, so coronavirus is taking up a lot of airtime nationwide. And so issues like this, the Hope Scholarship is, is one that's kind of getting buried or just lost in, in the mix. Um, and overtaken by news about COVID-19, which, you know, uh, certainly should get some airtime, but um, these things are important too. So we wanted to take a minute and talk with Ron. And I wonder, Ron, if you wouldn't mind just taking us through to start, what is the HOPE Scholarship? Who's eligible? Um, And just what are some of the participation numbers uh, statewide right now. Sure. Um, well, first of all, thanks very much for for having me. I really appreciate this this opportunity to talk about the Hope Scholarship. Um, I do think some interesting things have come to light recently that are important to talk about. But like you said, coronavirus and rightly so has drowned out just about everything else. But these other things are important too, including the Hope Scholarship and what the participation is like at this point. So the Hope Scholarship was um, was created in 2018. Uh, the Florida Legislature passed it in 2018, and then it was um, signed into the law by then Governor Rick Scott. Um, it was the brainchild of the guy who was um, our Speaker of the House back then, Richard Corcoran. He's now our Education Commissioner. Um, obviously uh, a very uh, passionate supporter of public education and education choice. And I think he saw a need. Um, You know, we have tens of thousands of incidents every year of kids being bullied or involved in some kind of violent thing or another uh, in district schools. Um, These are some of our most vulnerable kids. In many cases, they're actually being hurt. And this was a vehicle to give their parents an option if they wanted it. You know, some parents want to stay and fight and that's that's up to them and more power to them. Um, I'm glad when folks do that, but there's some parents whose kids have been through so much and they've been through so much that they want out and they want options to go find someplace else that's safer. And that's what the Hope Scholarship 
allows them to do. Um, I think there are about 10 or 12 different actual uh, incident eligibility categories. I mean, there's bullying, there's battery, um, harassment, hazing, threats and intimidation, uh, sexual misconduct, fights, things like that. I, I, I don't know the exact uh, list of categories, but 10 or 12 of them. Um, I think when the legislation was proposed in 2018, there was an analysis done and it looked like 45 to 50,000 kids a year would be in those eligibility categories. An analysis found that they expected maybe 7,000 kids to use it the first year. Um, and the numbers have been far, far below that. Um, the first year, I think we had 127 kids actually get the scholarship and enroll in a, at a private school. And this year we're up to 389 kids. So far, far short of what was expected. Um, I guess I forgot to mention this. So it's funded by, uh, by sales tax credits on automobile purchases. So when you go buy a, a new car or a used car, um, you can contribute up to $105 to the scholarship in return for uh, sales tax credits. Mm -hmm. And so the, the money raising part has been going great. The first year we raised $40 million. Um, this year we've raised at this point already, um, I think it's slightly over $50 million. So there's plenty of money there for, for these scholarships, but there's not a lot of people applying. Yeah. It, yeah. I Go just ahead, want to please. say this. I mean, this seems like a good idea. I don't see why there isn't, you know, a lot more of these types of programs throughout the United States. I mean, if you ask parents why they choose private schools for their kids, a lot of the things they rank, you know, safety seems to be at one of the top of the things on the list, uh, way above things like standardized test scores. So I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, I've, I've heard other pushes for, for programs like this throughout the United States, but I, this is the only one that I know of, you know, in, in Florida. And I'm, I'm also surprised that, you know, there's only about 300 students taking advantage of this program when it looks like, let me pull it up right now. If you look at like the pie chart for this on EdChoice, 83% of the students in the state that are, you know, student age population are, 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 are eligible for this program. So it makes me wonder, you know, why aren't more students taking advantage of this? Ron, do you have any theories for why that could be? Is it, is, is there information suppression going on or is it, you know, or people just, you know, not aware of, of the program? Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the law as it's written says that it's up to the districts to notify the parents um, of bullying victims or any of the other incident categories that they have this option. And so, uh, you know, I want to be careful here because, you know, we really work hard not to, to point fingers at districts or do our best not to do that. But there was a report that came out recently from um, the Learning Systems Institute at, at, at Florida State, which was commissioned by the state to do a survey of the parents, uh, the Hope Scholarship parents, and to get their take on the program. So this is also part of the law. Every year, you know, um, the state has to hire somebody to do an evaluation of the program. LSI um, did this survey of the Hope Scholarship parents. Now it was the first year parents, and so there wasn't a lot of them. I think 40 something parents uh, responded. So small sample size, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But what that survey found, amongst many things that it found, was 
the vast majority of those parents, more than 70%, did not find out about the scholarship from the district, even though the district is required by law to tell them. Hmm. They found out through uh, all kinds of other means, you know, word of mouth, social media. Um, in some cases, some private schools told them. In some cases, they stumbled on the Step Up website and, and found out about it. And so I think, you know, that report tells us a lot. The districts, for whatever reason, and, you know, I try not to speculate here, but for whatever reason, they're not doing what is required by law, which is to tell the parents of wow. the victims that they have this option. And so is so this program is an income targeted, right? Is It's, it's just... No. It's it's open to everybody. If your students bullied, and I guess that eighty three percent comes from you. You have to come from a public school, right? You 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 can't already right. be in a private school. I guess that's the the thing that makes it non universal. Uh, is, is this the is this the report you were talking about? Um, yes, that looks like the um, the parent. If I that's the parent ratings of the schools their kids were. If I it, yes, the whole thing's right. That one chart was the the ratings that the parents had of their schools, the kids were in versus the ratings of the schools uh, that they got to once they got the scholarship. I should point out one other thing real quick. This isn't just a private school choice program. I mean, if a kid is eligible because they've been bullied or fallen into any of these other categories, they can also go to another public school, you know, if there's uh, if there's capacity. Um, or they can even within their district, or they can go to an out of district school and get a $750 transportation scholarship. So I think that's important to add. This isn't just a private school choice program. It offers options in both public uh, and private schools. So I just did some quick math, Ron, and it looks like 71.4% of families that did participate in the program did not find out about it through their district school. That's right. That's right. A very, you know, and the majority. And the legislation says that the schools, that, that that should be the primary source of that information getting to the families. Is that right? That's right. It's, it's very clear, you know, um, once the incident is reported, then the, the districts have to investigate. And then either at the conclusion of the investigation or within 15 days, they have to tell the parent, regardless of what they found, by the way, but they have to tell the parent, you have this option and they have to give them what is called a hope notification form so they can fill it out and turn it into the SFO and begin the process of, of uh, you know, getting a scholarship if that's what they want. So, Ron, in, in theory, if I, you know, if I'm living in Florida and my student is attending a public school, uh, could, could I somehow get one of these scholarships for my child, even if there's not severe bullying going on, even if they just kind of, you know, maybe they were upset at school one day is how stringent is the regulation or the, the law in determining, you know, uh, if you qualify for the program or not, is it just, I feel like I was bullied today, therefore I get a scholarship or is there, is there actual hard evidence that has to be presented in, in order for, for that child to get the scholarship? How, can you talk a little bit about that? So there is no requirement that the uh, incident be proven. 
Um, so it could be, and this is one of the criticisms of the program for the beginning. Some people said, well, anybody could go and just complain and get a scholarship to get out. Um, so, you know, it, it's not, it does not hinge on whether there's evidence that this happened or not. Um, from what I can tell you, uh, you know, I've talked to maybe a dozen Hope parents. I reached out to them randomly last year because I was kind of curious what's going on. So, you know, before this report came out and I heard the same thing, you know, I, all these parents, virtually every single one of them said, well, the district never told me about it. I, had I not stumbled by accident on this scholarship, my kid would still be beaten up. And there was a range of of incident severity, I guess you could say, amongst the parents I talked to. And I think you'll also see that in report if you go through it, because there's enough details in there you can kind of tell. Um, you know, some of these are kind of more garden variety bullying, the kind of things many of us have experienced probably when we were in kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's some that are pretty extreme and, um, you know, very moving, um, just really horrible things. But you know, to your question, there is no requirement that there be that the district, you know, find out for sure that there was evidence of of whatever the incident uh, complaint was. So essentially, at least in theory, you know, if, if nothing gets stopped in the future, this could turn into a bigger program than the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship Program, which currently serves, what, 108,000 students could based on eligibility alone, if, if there were enough if, if there was enough funding uh, from the vehicle um, funding source, could could this program be bigger than any other private school choice program in in Florida? I don't I don't think that's correct based on the the, the statistics I've seen. So from what I understand, based on those whatever it is, ten or twelve incident eligibility categories, there's somewhere between forty five to fifty thousand uh, incidents in those reported incidents in those categories. So, I mean, that's a far smaller pool than the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship, um, which would be well over a million kids would fall under that income eligibility threshold. You know, a far smaller pool than even for the McKay Scholarship for for students with disabilities, where there'd be several hundred thousand kids. So I don't think based on uh, the income, I'm sorry, based on the incident eligibility categories now, that it could grow to be bigger than those programs. But at so least they at were least, unreported. It would still, like, even if you were only capturing 25% of actual incidents because they just go unreported, you're still only looking at a couple hundred thousand versus a million potentially for these other programs, the tax credit scholarship program, for instance. Go ahead, yeah. Corey, add something. Yeah, I was going to say, but like, you know, if we're looking at the reports as they exist today, that'll be a smaller number than if we said, okay, well, what, you know, what if parents started reporting these things at a much higher rate in the future? You know, theoretically, it should be that we could access a much larger pool of, of, of students than, than what, than the amount of students who are just based on eligibility threshold, that 83% that we saw at the Ed Choice website. But I mean, that would be contingent yeah. on funding. It would be contingent on people actually you know, reporting a lot of stuff, whether it's going on or not. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, you know, what, what really amazes me is just how small this program is. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's existed for not, not, not too long now, um, but we still only see 300 students 
you know, around 300 students using the program. I, I would have expected it to be a lot bigger. Um, and I would have expected other states to start start copying Florida. I thought it was a great idea. Let's let's um, dig in on that just real quick, because I want to make sure we get that right, Ron. What's the actual participation number? Because Ed Choice doesn't seem to agree with FSU's report. Uh, or maybe I'm reading it wrong. Maybe 300 is the right number and 127 is just first year participants. What's the what's the real total number of participants right now? Do you know? So uh, year one was 127, uh, got the scholarship and enrolled in a private school. Uh, year two, at, at the moment, it's 389 is our latest number. Okay. So that's the difference. So this report is really just reporting on that first cohort. Yes, that's right. That's right. And so at, at some point, they'll have to do, um, you know, a second year report. So hopefully they'll get, you know, more responses uh, and we'll be able to tell whether the same patterns hold true. Um, I mean, I don't want to leap to conclusions, you know, until they, until they do their survey and we see the data, but based on the anecdotal information that I've seen, and again, I, you know, I, I reached out, talked to a dozen, um, parents randomly. And then I have friends, you know, too, whose kids have been bullied and I've asked them multiple times, well, did the district tell you after you complained that you had this? No, no, never told me. I'm like, well, so, if you want that option, you know, you should ask because you do have that option now. So, Ron, since the competitor, the district, is not providing a lot of information about their competition, which from an economic perspective, that kind of makes sense. Do you think there's some role for outside organizations to kind of step in and say, hey, look, you know, this is this program is available. Is this kind of like you know, a role for step up for students or ed choice or other types of organizations, or maybe even educational freedom Institute would have a role in helping promote this message. And, and if so, is there, you know, is there a particular way you think is the best way to, to reach families to do that? Well, that's a great question. So I, I do think there are many things that can be done to one, raise awareness. Um, and then two, maybe, uh, spur, prod, incent, I don't know what the right word is, uh, districts to do what they're required to do by law. I mean, there certainly can be some publicity campaigns and marketing campaigns. Um, we've done a little bit of that. Um, you know, we've got an excellent marketing team at Step Up. Uh, I don't know all the details, but I know they've, some, they've done some of that, just like they do for all our scholarship programs. But they could ramp that up even more if they wanted to. Um, I think other groups outside could definitely do that as well. Um, for what it's worth, I, I do think, and I want to say this uh, respectfully and humbly because this isn't this isn't my lane, but I, I do think there's a place for policymakers who care about this program to um, to use the bully pulpit, not, you know, okay. not intended to to raise awareness that hey, it doesn't appear like districts are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, I know the DOE. Uh, last spring sent out a memo to the superintendents reminding them, Hey, this is, this is what you got to do under the law. Um, perhaps it's time for another one of those memos, uh, maybe multiple memos, um, maybe other forms where this, this issue could be raised. Um, I think, you know, as cynical as I've become about the media, <laughs> uh, especially since my time at Step Up, I do think there's a role here. I mean, I don't know that the coverage was like um, 
you know, the most uh, fair and balanced during the session when this thing was created. But for what it's worth, there's been a lot of attention uh, in the aftermath. We've had a lot of outlets reach out to us and say, um, you know, we'd like to do a follow up, follow up on the program. What's going on with it? Can you tell us the numbers? Can you point us to some parents who are willing to talk about it? Uh, and there's been a story or two or three, but there's no doubt that some outlets saw the numbers and went, it doesn't seem like there's much of a program. Well, if you knew that there's not much of a program, perhaps because the, the main mechanism to inform parents isn't being used. I mean, I'd like to think that they could be enlisted in this too. So I think all of those things could help, um, you know, before perhaps revisiting the legislation might be necessary. I mean, well, it, it's a very kind, Ron. Have you noticed that? Corey, Ron's being very kind. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a nice guy. Obviously, <laughs> he's obviously a very nice guy. That's well, good. I I mean I try. We try. I mean, it's not. Um, we see ourselves and we see these programs as being part of public education. They're they're a complement to public education, just like all the other pieces are. Um, and we try. I don't know if we get enough credit for this, you know, but we really try hard not to to pit one sector versus a, another. We're all in this together. Uh, and so yeah. it is a little bit of a sensitive thing for me to be on here or anyplace else saying, well, according to this report, the districts aren't doing what, they're, what they should be doing, but. Yeah, I mean, well, like you said, this isn't just a private school choice program. You can take this, you, you can use this program as a means to switch to another, uh, you know, district run school. And, you know, like, Matthew and I have been saying all along, you know, school choice isn't anti-public school in any way. It's just pro-choice and pro-family. And, you know, if someone doesn't feel safe in their school, they should be able to pick a different public school or a private school. Um, and it, and it, the, the sector shouldn't really matter. And I think that's really the, the main idea of Educational Freedom Institute as well, that, you know, this isn't this isn't sector versus sector. It's just it's all about choice. And it really doesn't matter what what yeah. sector an individual chooses. I, to I do totally agree. And if I could just add to that really quick. I mean, you know, I, I uh, balance my um, my reluctance to try to, you know, to, to even be remotely appearing like I'm pointing fingers at districts with, with the fact that these kids are the most vulnerable kids. Some of them are being hurt, you know, uh, really bad, you know, and we, we can't forget that this program was created to help these kids and these parents get out of what um, in many cases are really bad situations. So, you know, on the one hand, I don't want to cause any tensions or frictions. On the other hand, Let's don't forget that these kids need some help and these parents want some want some options and they deserve these options. They should not be in a learning environment where it's not not safe for them. And, you know, going back to the parents I talked to last year, I mean, some of them I talked to were were pretty hardcore traditional public school supporters. They, you know, they told me that they said I didn't want to leave the school. I didn't. I mean, I'm a, I'm a public school person. I but it was a situation where my kid was not learning. His grades were dropping. He was experiencing, you know, all kinds of, um, you know, mental health issues and even physical issues that manifested because these problems weren't dealt with. And they finally said, look, I, I'm, a, I'm a public school person, but this is not working. I need something else. And so, sorry. Yeah, 
Yeah, I totally, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. And, you know, I, I said this from the beginning, I think more states should have programs like this because, you know, parents choose schools for tons of different reasons. There's multiple dimensions of school quality and safety is one of the most important factors, you know, that for, for parents choosing individual schools over, over other schools. And look, it's really hard to learn really well if, if you're, if you don't feel safe when you're going to school each day and, and mental health is really important as well. And I think school safety plays into that a lot. Um, I just released a report, you know, a month or two ago in New York, looking at their charter schools versus their district run schools. And, you know, after controlling for differences in students, I found that the charter school sector was a lot safer than the traditional public school sector. And I mean, this is similar to what this hope scholarship program, you know, found as well, large improvements in safety as a result of getting, getting to use the program as, as reported by, by the parents. So, I mean, no kid should be forced to, to stay into their residentially assigned school if they don't feel safe there. And I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I know Florida has open enrollment, but not every state has that. And that makes an even stronger argument for this program, I think, in, in other states too, that the state government shouldn't be able to say, you have to stay in this school, even though you're telling me that you don't feel safe at school. I mean, this should be, this should be a guarantee in every state, in my opinion. And, and Florida is really leading the way here. I, I, I like this. I wanted to make sure before, and you've been really generous with your time, Ron, we appreciate you taking some time this morning to talk with us about the program. Um, this report though, I want to, before we let you go, I want to take another look if we can, Corey, at that chart and just go over, I actually want to say it out loud here, Ron, if you can walk us through the chart. We've shown it a couple of times, but I think it's worth actually explaining to some degree. Could you walk us through that? Sure. Um, my vision's getting bad, bad in my old age, but I think this is the chart that shows the rating that the parents gave to the prior school and the current school. Is that right? Yep. yep. Okay. So, I mean, off the top of my head, what I remember is that the researchers um, at LSI asked the parents in the survey to uh, rate their prior schools and their current schools on a, on a one to four scale. Uh, and if I remember right, the, the, the on average rating they gave to the prior schools was about 1.8 and the ratings for the current school that they were able to access to with the scholarship was nearly twice that, like 3.6, somewhere around that. Mm -hmm. yep. I just remember it being nearly double. They, they rated the newer schools that they were able to access with the scholarship twice as high as their prior schools. Yep, that's right. And, and so the three areas that they talk about that they rated were engagement, safety, and environment. And obviously this, particular scholarship, because it's targeted toward those who have experienced bullying in their current school, the, the district school, safety is number one, right? I mean, that would, you would think is their number one priority because that's where they're experiencing deficits where they are now, or, you know, that it's, it would be the impetus for them to leave the school. And so that one in particular is nearly twice. And uh, four being the highest rating you can get, mm -hmm. 3.6 in that category is pretty darn good overall, right? So, and, and again, the sample size is small. And so we, we have to make sure that that's, 
that's well known, right? But uh, for yep. the for the respondents, but um, you know, you know really another thing to point out there that I think uh, is notable is that you know in the survey the parents were asked, well, how hard was it for you to find another school that met your needs that you felt was uh, a safe and going to be a, a good environment for your kid and the numbers there were also very lopsided. It was more than 70% who said it was easy or somewhat easy to find another school. Um, so, you know, if you give the parents the the power to find options, they're going to find good ones. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do want to point out that, that this is a pretty, you know, um, all these differences are statistically significant, even though it's a small sample size. I mean, it's like about a hundred percent increase. A doubling is essentially a double, a hundred percent increase. And it's pretty rigorous in that this is comparing the same students prior, the same students prior school to their new school. So we're not comparing different populations of students here, which I think makes it a rigorous study because it's it's it's, it's comparing your own school, your own the same student school to to the new school, um, instead of comparing two different populations of students, which is you know uh, helps with the credibility of the study. And then this also matches a lot of the random assignment evaluations of private school choice programs. I think there's only three existing random assignment studies on this topic, and they all similarly find big increases in reports of safety as reported by parents and students. So this this is just showing, you know, uh, this is mirroring the existing literature on the topic. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's 1130. Uh, I want to thank Ron for, you know, giving, you know, the time flies when you're having fun and talking to nice guys like Ron and Matthew. Um, so yeah, I want to thank Ron for coming out and virtually meeting with us. Hopefully we can meet in person, um, in the near future once all this uh, stuff blows over, that would be um, awesome. you know, thanks for giving us all this, you know, uh, in-depth information about the hope scholarship program, something that I've wanted to learn more about. And, you know, one of the programs I think other States should emulate as well. Yeah. Well, well thank you very much. Well, Matt, thank, thank you, Corey. Thank you. This was great. I, I'm, I'm so appreciative that you, uh, you care enough about these things that you want to dig into them deeper and, and share that information with your audiences. Um, if you ever got any more questions or need anything, just, just let us know. We'll, we'll help you out. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, guys. Right. Good one. Y'all right. take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. You can find EFI online at efinstitute.org, on Twitter at EF underscore Institute, and on Facebook at Educational Freedom Institute.